My name is Chris and I am an alcoholic. Um, I want to thank Lisa for uh, uh, talking us into doing this. We've, uh, we've had a great experience here. Karen, uh, for uh, for putting together half of the speakers and being here a lot more than I actually was. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, tonight we're, we're going to be talking on Step 12. And uh, my experience with Step 12 started uh, the day I came back into Alcoholics Anonymous. This was right around uh, right around New Year's of, uh, of 1990, uh, the beginning of 1990. What had happened was I had taken a stab at Alcoholics Anonymous for a couple of months uh, earlier that year and ended up uh, relapsing, uh, ended up you know, uh, going through an absolutely horrific time of uh, being motivated out of desperation uh, to go back to Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, and this time, <clears throat> I understood intuitively that I needed to give a lot more of myself this time. I needed to try a little bit harder than I had the time before. So on day two back in AA, I bumped into a person who... Uh, uh, who had been my contact out of rehab? Uh, I never asked him to be my sponsor, but back in the, back in the day when you went through 28-day uh, treatment, they would usually hook you up with a sponsor in the local AA area where you would live. And this guy was my sponsor, so I saw him on my second night back in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I went up to him and I said, "Phil, I, these, are, these are my exact words. I go, I've been in hell. I I need to get out. Uh, will you help me?" And I was incredibly desperate. And he, and, he, and he laughed. You know how sponsors are. You come to them with these deep, horrific problems, and they'll, they'll like, chuckle at you. And he, he laughs at me, and then he says to me, you know, I could use a new pigeon. And, you know, I'd never heard that term before. I'm, I, was, I was, like, a little bit horrified. He wanted to be, me to be his pigeon. And, you know, the only pigeons I knew about were stool pigeons, you know. I figured he wanted me to, wanted me to spy on the rest of the sponsees or something. But I was desperate enough to, to say, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be your pigeon. And really what I did was, uh, without, without fully knowing what I was doing, I placed myself uh, under his care and protection. Because I recognized at that point that alcoholism was going to kill me. Uh, that if I could do something about it myself, I probably would have done so a long time ago. And so maybe he had a better plan. Uh, supposedly he had 10 years sober, and you know, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I'd run out of plans. I, I knew trying to just not drink is not going to work for me. I was in way more trouble than to be able to do that. So, so I placed myself under his care and protection. Now. This is, remember this is like uh, late 80s, early 90s uh, in the, uh, the Basking Ridge, Morristown kind of area. And at that period of time, the, the big book movement had not started yet. Where, where you hear, you hear a lot of different uh, meetings talking about big book sponsorship, they're talking about going through the steps in the big book. This was, this was not something that you were hearing about in late, the late 80s and the early 90s. It didn't exist. Uh, if there were uh, if there were people who were paying attention and actually trying to do the steps, they usually trying to do them out of the step book or, or something. It was it was uh, the the pendulum had swung way toward fellowship at that period of time. Uh, 
we're in the midst of basically a renaissance where a lot of people are paying attention to and getting back to the basics of recovery as they're outlined in the big book. But that didn't exist in the late 80s, at least in our area. So <clears throat> there's three things of utmost importance. If you are really alcoholic and you're coming into Alcoholics Anonymous to find, to find a way to survive, one of them is consistency at meetings. Uh, the other is working the steps out of the out of the big book with a sponsor or a spiritual advisor, and the other is to be of service to carry the message to the still suffering alcoholic. If you're in real trouble with alcoholism and you don't do those three things, if you're able to stay sober, your quality of life is going to be in the toilet. That's if you're able to stay sober. Most people can't. Most real alcoholics can't. So. Looking back, you learn so much in hindsight, and I can look back and I can see why I survived. And it was basically because my sponsor insisted that I go to a meeting every night. His directive to me was, Chris, I want you at a meeting every night until I tell you to stop. He goes, this is not a 90-90 program. I'm telling you to go every night until I tell you to stop. Uh, so I did, and I did that for eight years. You know, he never did tell me to stop. He moved away before he told me to stop. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, listen, I didn't have a better plan. It wasn't like people were lining up to, you know, do things with me at night. Uh, I didn't have a better plan. So going to the meeting was, you know, the best part of the day for me. I, you know, I, met, I made a lot of friends there. And, you know, hooking up with those people every night was, uh, was kind of a solace to me. It was... You know, it was comforting, and uh, and that's what I did. So that's one thing out of the three that he asked me to do. The second thing he wanted me to get involved with was service. This was a guy. This was a guy who had a service ethic. A small percentage of the people in Alcoholics Anonymous do 99% of the work. Those are the people who have that that service ethic. And Phil did a lot of things. One of the things he did was he was a main, uh, a main volunteer at the treatment center that I went to in Morristown. It's closed its doors a long time ago, but it was CAI uh, uh, treatment center. Uh, and he, was a, he organized the volunteer work for that place. He's the one that would put on the picnic for that treatment center every year. He would bring two meetings a week up there. Uh, uh, bridge group, which was bridging the gap between treatment and recovery, and, and uh, he was very, very involved, and he wanted me involved too. And I had a shattered, bizarre self self-esteem issue back in those days. I mean, I was the, I was the typical had a big ego, had so much lack of self-esteem I couldn't look you in the eye, you know, but thought I was better than you, but couldn't even imagine that I could talk in a conversation with you. It was a, you know, that bizarre alcoholic dichotomy of, of sanity. And it was very, very tough for me to do this. It was very, very tough for me to share. It was very, very tough for me to engage in these, these, these service activities. Uh, I remember this one time he asked me to uh, come out and, and be a cook behind the grill at the CAI picnic. <clears throat> And he put me by the other. He, he, he was he was a fish food fellow because he had a, a seafood restaurant and he was a seafood consultant and all this stuff. So he brought all the free seafood for this thing and he had me behind the grill cooking crab legs. You ever grilled crab legs for four hours a day? 
I got to tell you, I smelled like a burnt crustacean. And the, the wind was like blowing in my eyes. My eyes were water. And I'm like, and I'm looking over there, and people are playing volleyball and, you know, drinking iced tea and, and eating hamburgers. And I'm stuck behind the grill. And I'm, I'm like six months sober, and I'm thinking, this is, this, this ain't right. I, you know, I, I shouldn't have to work like this, you know. But I did it because I had a lot of respect for Phil. Now, that's those service commitments. What they were about for me was Phil couldn't come up to me and say this, which would have been true. He couldn't really come up to, and say this to me because I had sensitive alcoholic feelings. He could not come up to me and say, Chris, you're the most selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, self-absorbed bastard I've ever met in my life. You have never done anything for anybody in your whole entire life without expecting something back as a result. Selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of your trouble, you pathetic cretin. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you do all this stuff for fun and for free to yank you out of that self-absorbed morass that you're living in. And that's right, but he couldn't, he couldn't say that to me. So what he would say was, Chris, I need some help with the pit you know, <laughs> but but uh, trust me, he understood what my real problem was. My real problem was I was pathetically self-centered. You know, and uh, and that's what we die from, folks. We don't die from drinking. We die from that from that separation, that selfish and self-absorbed perspective that we walk around with, thinking that you know we are all, our own planet and figuring out how everything impacts and affects us. You know, that's what we die from. Anyway, so two things I'm doing for my for my recovery that Phil asked me to do. Meetings and service. But remember, there's no big book back then. There's no opening up the book Alcoholics Anonymous and going through the steps. It just wasn't done. People, you know, did whatever they needed to do. A lot, a lot of people became very meeting dependent back in those days. You don't see that today like you did back back in the late 80s and early 90s, but meeting dependent. There were people with 20 years who went to 14 meetings a week. You know what I mean? And, you know, they, they'd, talk, they, they'd talk about this and they'd talk about that. And you'd, you'd ask him, have you ever taken your wife out for dinner? You know? You know, you go to 14 meetings a week. Are you ever home? You know, is this really what this is about? You know, hiding out in alcoholics' homes. And... But that's that, because if you don't do the recovery part, if you don't do the steps, you gotta hang on like a sumbitch. And that's gonna take a gazillion meetings, a lot of service, and you're still gonna be back shit crazy, you know, if you're an alcoholic. So anyway, here I am, I am a mess. I'm going to 14 meetings a week. I am uh, doing service commitments whenever and wherever my sponsor is asking me to. And I'm, I'm shattered, I'm self-absorbed, I am depressed, I have anxiety that's like, just freaky anxiety. I mean, I, I, you know, I worry about like walking into an AA meeting. What are they thinking of, about me? You know, I mean, I was just so, my heightened self-absorption was like, like on 10. And uh, my personal relationships were still in the toilet. I, you know, I, I was, I, you know, I'd go home at night, you know, and I'd go to make myself a drink, and there'd be, like, no ice in the ice cube tray. And I'd freak out. There's no ice in the ice cube tray. Don't you know I need ice? You know, and I just shared about gratitude. 
the, the meaning of humans for you. Know I mean, I was nuts. I was nuts. And I was still spending all my money on on things out here to put in here to try to make me feel better. I was a collector of all kinds of crap, you know. I mean, uh, I, you know, I came to uh, I came to an Alcoholics Anonymous with a with a monstrous comic book collection, a monstrous science fiction collection, thirty thousand LP you know, records. I, you know, I mean, you know, just boxes and boxes of crap that I would buy to try to make me feel a little bit better inside. You know, I mean, I truly, truly was a mess. Uh, I hadn't had a, a, a decent, intimate relationship uh, in at least 10 years or more, you know, when I when I came into AA. And I was just an absolute mess. And going to meetings and doing service commitments did not help that. that they're not supposed to help that. Yes, we're supposed to learn some, some wisdom teachings in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? Like uh, the old-timers were great with the one-liners. The one-liners... You know, one-liners are great ways to get a message across. You know, and the, these old-timers were just wonderful, you know. They'd come up to you and they'd go, Kid, underneath every skirt's a slit. You know, and you'd go like, Whoa! Whoa! You know, how brilliant, you know? Someday when I get my head out of my ass, I'll see how stupid that is, but right now, I'm unrecovered. Anyway... Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, so I'm a mess. I mean, emotionally, spiritually, uh, psychically. Uh, just my health is really bad. But I'm going to a lot of meetings. I'm, I'm going to a lot of meetings. I'm doing a lot of service commitments. Now, I think I shared earlier that what happened to me was uh, my buddy Radio Shack Mike came along with a stack of eight 90-minute tapes this one time. And what it was, was it was a it was a big book workshop. And in this big book workshop, it talked about uh, about actually going through the book Alcoholics Anonymous, following the directions in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, paying very close attention to the like 25 musts in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, and you know where there's an exercise, stop, do the exercise, and then move on. Now, this was revolutionary to me. I had been to a thousand meetings by this time, and I had never heard of such a thing. That's not we, how we do it in New Jersey, you know, was my first reaction. My sponsor never told me about that. I had a big book that they gave me to rehab, and, and everybody signed it, and then I put it away and never looked at it again because I went to step meetings, you know? That's what everybody did back then. So, so this is a revolutionary concept for me. I didn't accept it right away. It was something that uh, that I thought because it went against what my experience was. It went against what I was being taught in my Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. You know, how can this how can this be so significant if I've never heard of it? It would be like going to the hospital for 14 years with cancer, and then then all of a sudden somebody giving you a set of tapes that talks about chemotherapy. Be like what you know? Why haven't I heard about this before? This can't possibly work, you know. And that that was my initial reaction. Well, some things happened. Some things happened uh, to me, and uh, I went I went through a, a period of uh, of time where uh, where where the crap hit the fan. You know, 
if, uh, if you hang around here long enough, there's, you're going to have a time in the barrel. It happens to all of us. And, and what that looks like is like two or three or four or five big things in your life. Deaths, loss of jobs, you know, uh, uh, problems with cars, you know, whatever. You, you put them all together and they hit you one right after another. And it was about, it, I mean, it just knocked the wind out of me. It was going to take me out, I, you know, this, this depression that I was in. So I remember listening to these tapes and uh, saying, you know, the message in these tapes had haunted me. I listened to them like I listened to anything for, for, uh, for entertainment, you know, on, a, on my ride to work. But these tapes were very, very deep and profound, and they had, uh, they had a truth, like a rock-solid truth that haunted me. I wanted to say, you know, these guys from Arkansas don't know anything. You know, this isn't the way we do it. But um, they, they talked with such authority and they made such sense that, you know, this, the, their message haunted me. So when I got to a point where I was at an emotional bottom, uh, uh, pitifully and incomprehensibly demoralized, I pulled out these tapes and I started listening to them and I, and I went through the 12 steps uh, following their guidance. And as I, uh, as I did this, I, I was kind of unaware of what was going on at the time, but basically what happened to me was I started to recover from alcoholism. Uh, that's the whole point of the 12 steps, awakening your spirit to the point where you're no longer that self-absorbed, self-seeking individual. Your, your spirit has awakened and you're, you're you know, you're conscious now of really what uh, the whole plan is here. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's what was going on with me as I was going through these steps. Now, I, uh, I had sponsored uh, prior to this. Uh, I actually started sponsoring, you know, with about seven or eight months. Uh, and there was a number of guys that, uh, that I had. For one reason or another, I guess because I kind of came off pretty crazy back in those days, I would get crazy people asking me to sponsor them. You know, one lunatic after another would, would ask me, and, and my, my uh, automatic response, because I still kind of had self-esteem issues, was yes. You want me to sponsor you? Yes. Okay. Now, what's your problem? Which are, that's the wrong way to ask those, uh, those questions, by the way. Anyway, uh, Anyway, I had a whole bunch of uh, guys that were drinking of it, you know. These were sponsors that were making me look bad because they were drinking, you know, and they were, they were running around uh, hitting on the new women and causing all kinds of trouble in, in, the, uh, in the meetings. And people would come to me and say, hey, is this guy yours? You know, yeah, I'll talk to him, you know. And uh, so uh, I had gone... About a year earlier, I'd taken myself kind of through the big book, and again, a lot of that that self-centered fear, a lot of that depression and anxiety was being lifted because of the process of the steps. I was feeling a lot better about myself. I was worrying about stuff a lot less, and uh, it, I came to the conclusion that you know it, it, this really has worked for me. I know what I'll do. I'll bring this. I'll bring these guys over to my house. Uh, and I'll take them through the book, and we'll, bo we'll both go through the book. I'll start at page one, we'll read the whole book, we'll do all the exercises, and that's how I'm going to sponsor from now on. And that was uh, sometime in the early 90s. And I started to do that, and uh, I learned a couple of very, very significant lessons. One of them was, 
I kind of felt like I can't ask anybody to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So the first half a dozen guys I took to the steps, I went to the steps myself too, again, you know. Uh, so in a very, very short period of time, I, I, worked, I worked through the steps a number of times. Um, that helped me a lot. That's one of the things that I learned. Again, um, you're, you're so, if you're an alcoholic, you're so sick, you don't even know you're sick. You don't know how sick you are. You're minimized. And then you start to get better. And then you realize that you're sick, but you're not as sick as those people over there. You know, and then, and then finally, finally, you get to a point where you realize you're sick, and you're, you're sick just like everybody else. You're just at a different place on the continuum, you know. And, um, um, and so I, I bring these guys over, and the... Here's the second thing that I learned. The second thing I learned was the, the guys who went through this with me, who didn't balk, there were people who, you know, saw the fourth and fifth step as an overreaction. There were certainly people that saw the eighth and the ninth step as something that they didn't feel comfortable with. And what would happen is they would extricate themselves. They'd slowly drift away. The people who didn't go through the steps, and they're all gone. There's nobody left who said, you know, Chris, I'm not doing the four-step, and they're still in AA. You know, no way. They're all gone. Every single one of the guys that went through the steps with me are still around. And, you know, they're celebrating 17, 18, 19 years now. Every single one of them. Uh, and they're all sponsoring people, and you look at their quality of life, and it's amazing. I mean, they are, they've got growing pains just like the rest of us. You know, things aren't perfect. But my God, are they experiencing and appreciating life? You know, however that's coming at them. And uh, you know, I, I still got these. These are these are friends of mine that would take a bullet for me. You know, they're still very, 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 very close guys. And uh, I, you know, I didn't do any of that out of a sense of virtue. It wasn't like to be like a better AA. I, I did it all out of kind of a sense of desperation and a sense of not wanting to feel bad anymore and a sense of not wanting to let my guys down. If I'm sponsoring somebody, I didn't want to let them down. If I could help them not drink, I, I, I took that responsibility seriously. So this is how I, I learned how to, how to sponsor. Now, sometime in the late uh, 1990s or whatever, I started to study a little bit of Alcoholics Anonymous history. Uh, Nothing like Bill over here. Bill, Bill is uh, quite possibly one of the top five AA historians on this planet. Uh, I mean, he, he knows what Ebby Thatcher was wearing, you know, when he showed up at Bill's house. Uh, but I did study some of the early AAs, and I got a hold of some of the early tapes of the first 100, and I studied the Oxford group, and I studied Sam Shoemaker and, you know, Father Ed Dowling and a number of these other people that were very influential in the formation and growth of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, uh, here's, here's what I came, here's some of the conclusions that I've come to. In the early days of AA, this is what it would look like if you were an AA member. On Monday night, you'd go to a meeting and meet with the rest of your, your, your guys, you know, and you'd get together and you'd strategize about finding other alcoholics. That's all it was about. It was about, hey, who are you working with and where are you going to find more guys to work with? That would be Monday night. Tuesday night, everybody would split up. Some people would go to the, to the loony bins. Some people would go to the jails or the detoxes. 
Wednesday night, they'd go to the hospitals. They, they'd go to over here to Greystone, or you know, they'd go talk to doctors or lawyers or judges. All throughout the week, they would go and look for prospects. A prospect is you try to dig for prospects. You try to find people who may want what you have to offer, who may be alcoholic and may want to get over it. And you do that out there. You don't do it in the meetings. You do it out there. Most of your work is out there. And that's what the first five or ten years of Alcoholics Anonymous looked like. You know, what, what, uh, it, was a, it was a recovery program. It was finding people to take through the 12 steps. Um, finding people who wanted what you have to offer. What you have to offer is not meetings. What you have to offer is the 12 steps, the recovery process. The, uh, uh, the inventory, the, the uh, confession, the restitution, the prayer and meditation, the working with other people. All, all of that came out of the Oxford group and uh, Sam Shoemaker and a number of other people. And that was the business that you were about as an AA member, finding people who might want to do that. And they went through a lot of people. You'd go through 10, 20 people before you'd find somebody who's receptive. And when, when you found somebody that was receptive, they were now a protege. They went from being a prospect to a protege. Your protege was somebody who was taking the steps with you, who you were giving spiritual guidance to about how to develop their relationship with God. And if they were a prospect, you could invite them into the meetings. You know, back in the day, they didn't just let anybody in the meetings. If you weren't about the business of working the steps, you know, you're not, you don't have an honest desire to stop drinking. And, uh, you know, you couldn't just wander into an AA meeting in the first 10 years. You know, you had to show that you meant business. Now, uh, so I'm learning all this. And then I'm thinking to these, uh, to these Joe and Charlie tapes, and I'm thinking, well, what the hell? What the hell has happened in Alcoholics Anonymous? We went from a, a program of recovery with a sports fellowship to a fellowship of sobriety because that's that's what it was like when I came in. It was a fellowship of sobriety. Hey, keep sit, just stay sober. Just don't drink no matter what. Even if your ass falls off. Just think the drink through. Simple. Keep it simple, stupid. Hang on. Let go. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's all it was. And, and uh, you know, go to meetings, go to meetings, go to meetings, make coffee, go to meetings, go to meetings. How the hell did we get it from people that were witnessing to the power of God to shoving people into the meetings. What happened? So I started to look into that a little bit. And you know, there's a number of things, there's a number of things that, uh, that have contributed to, uh, uh, to the change in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, many things. I think that when the step book came out, I think that that detoured us uh, away from our primary purpose. I think when alcoholism became uh, uh, became uh, a, a disease in 1956, but the American Medical Society, I think that that uh, made opportunities out there for every kind of wackadoo treatment program you've ever seen. I, anybody in here sober uh, before 1993, you remember all the treatment centers? Remember all the treatment centers? You could shake a stick without hitting a happy hill somewhere, you know? And some of them were wackos with what, what they did. Just wacky. They would hire patients who just got sober and make them counselors. I mean, it was just the craziest crap you ever seen in your life. And they were everywhere. And uh, I think that helped to, uh, to throw a couple of torpedoes 
into Alcoholics Anonymous and what Alcoholics Anonymous was about. And you know, I, I also think that um, I also think that some of the AA promotion, you know, some of the stuff that that, uh, that comes out of New York. If, if you pay attention really closely to what uh, General Service does and their initiatives, you'll see that they're more about membership numbers. They're more about uh, quantity than they are about quality. So, uh, so what will happen is, is that they want to send this message out that the more the merrier. Do it any way you want to do it. Just come on in. And that's great for the revenue, uh, but it's not necessarily good for, uh, uh, good for holding on to a primary purpose and holding on to a recovery process really tightly. If you open up the door so wide to let every kind of thing in in the world, you're going to dilute. Uh, you're going to dilute this, and that's kind of what happened uh, over the, over the decades in Alcoholics Anonymous. We had become diluted, and that's a, that's really a shame because uh, I I've been around a long time, going to a lot of meetings. I know a lot of people in recovery, and I have to tell you that um, the people that I see that have recovered, that really have that awakened spirit, that have that the, you know the promises have come true for them that you know they they don't wish to uh, shut the door on the past nor regret it they know a new freedom and a new happiness you know the best years of their lives are ahead of them you know God is doing for them what they cannot do for themselves those people uh, they always have a step process in their history the people that go back out always don't you know what I mean uh, Listen, lots of people, lots of people cycle through Alcoholics Anonymous. Two years ago, in uh, in the Grapevine magazine, they went back to the gray pages. Uh, the gray pages were information from the professional uh, alcoholism and, and drug treatment industry, and, and they like to put the gray pages in there just to educate us on you know what's going on out there in in the medical world that, that relates to us. And every once in a while, you'll get statistics and you get studies that'll, that are done, like about us. And uh, uh, this one study was about uh, how long people have been in the meetings. And there was an independent group of people who did this survey. And they came up with some staggering survey numbers. Uh, they came up with the fact that 45% of the people, and this is all 12-step programs, it's not just AA. AA, I'm sure would have better statistics, but they went to all these different 12-step fellowships and interviewed people coming in and out of the door, and they found that 45% of the people going into 12-step meetings have less than two months sober. 45%. Now, is anybody else horrified by that besides myself? I mean... What does that say about our effectiveness, you know? And for a long time, I was also uh, also uh, aligned with and hooked into the professional uh, alcoholism and drug treatment community. I, uh, I I wasn't a counselor or anything like that. Um, uh, I don't have the patience for that. But what I what I was doing was uh, I was doing some media work, and I got a chance to meet a lot of people who are professional uh, drug and alcohol treatment people. They own the rehabs and they write the, the articles for, for the DSM-4s and, you know, they they, uh, they do the scholarly articles and they put on the symposiums and all stuff. And I met, I met these guys. Now, 
that led me into doing some uh, some LinkedIn uh, and some uh, some some Facebook blog stuff. I got involved in in some blogs. And this guy went went after me one time on a blog. I'm very pro 12 step because it's really my own experience. I mean, if you've got another way out there, okay, show me three million people it's worked for. All right. Otherwise, I don't want to hear about it. And because uh, everybody's got, you know, there's people who have equine therapy. You don't need to go to AA. Just work with the horses. I mean, everybody's got a, got an idea. They do, and uh, and they, they're going to make money off you too while they do it. And and the, the world is just populated with these knuckleheads. Uh, and you know, and this one guy goes after me. He's a non-12 step clinical psychologist. Okay, and. You know, he, he doesn't send people to AA. And, uh, you know, and he, and he let me know why. He goes, do you know that AA statistics are 6%? He goes, I can get better, I can get better results offering placebos. That was his, that was his comment to me. 6%. Now, if you were to stand out by this door for the next 10 years and survey every single person that's walking through here, You'll probably find that only six percent of the people that are that's in this room tonight are going to be here in ten years. Okay, I'll give you that. However, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. That is still true. That is still true. The people who thoroughly followed the path that I laid out for them in the steps are all still here. They're all still here. The people that didn't are gone. Now. <clears throat> I had to rebut this guy, okay, because I may be recovered, but I'm still going to win arguments. Uh, and how I rebutted this guy was, was like this. I go, okay, let's say you have cancer, all right? You've got pancreatic cancer, and you go to the hospital, you go to the hospital, and you sit in the waiting room, and you talk about, oh, you talk with other people in the waiting room about your cancer treatment. And they're in for cancer. Let's talk about our cancer treatment. Let's talk about our cancer treatment. And then you go home. And you come back the next day and you sit in the waiting room and you talk about cancer, your cancer treatment again. Well, what kind of treatment are you going to have? Oh, I, I'm thinking about having this. But you never go in for the operation. Should the hospital be held accountable to your poor statistics? In other words, is it the hospital's fault if you die of cancer? You went to the hospital. But you didn't follow their suggestions. You didn't go in for the operation. The same thing happens in Alcoholics Anonymous today. Lots of people come in and sit in the waiting room. We sit in the waiting room and we talk about the steps and we philosophize about the steps and then we read about this. We share about the steps. But we don't do them. Now, can Alcoholics Anonymous really be held accountable if you go out and drink? Did they really not work? Did that hospital really not work? Because rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Right after it says that, it lays out the path. So if you're not about that path, you 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 can't be part of the rarely. You're not you're not uh you know you're not allowed to be part of the rarely unless you follow the path. So Alcoholics Anonymous has changed. Now there's a renaissance going on now uh, that's all about following the path, getting back to following the path. We spent decades away from this, you know, decades away from this. And now 
There are groups that are talking about this, that are bringing it back into conversation. There are people who are starting to sponsor this way again. And this is, listen, this is all to the good. Does every meeting have to be like a big book meeting? I, I don't I don't believe so. I really don't. Uh, but I think that each area should have a couple of uh, literature-based, solution-based meetings. Because part of our recovery process is going gonna, is gonna, to, we're going to need to encourage each other to do this. The steps are not easy. You know, the steps are not easy. Uh, when you get to steps eight and steps nine, you know, that's, that's a big playground. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of encouragement. So we need, to, we need to be about the business of helping each other. Now, in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, is a great chapter. It's called Working with Others. For many, many years, <clears throat> how I was sponsoring, even when I was starting to take people through the steps, I was winging it. I really was. I was winging it. I was, uh, I was listening to a lot of the oral tradition uh, in the meetings. Uh, people who sponsored, I was, you know, perking up when they were talking about their sponsorship style and everything. And uh, what I realized, what I realized one day was when I was reading the chapter "Working with Others," is that's how you're supposed to work with others. Uh, duh. You know, I mean, so, so often I'm the type of alcoholic. So often the truth will be right there in front of me, and three years, uh, you know, I, and all of a sudden I'll say, "Hey, I just discovered the truth." Yeah. Well, it's been in front of you for three years. That's just that's just me. Now, in the chapter "Working with Others." Uh, when I, when I first looked at it, I, you know, I thought, wow, this is hardcore. You know, this is really is hardcore. Compared to the alcoholics, the liberal alcoholics anonymous I, you know, I came to in, in the late 80s, yes, it was hardcore. Yes, it was hardcore. Because we didn't tell anybody what to do. You, you can't tell anybody what to do in AA. Uh, you know, I don't know where, and all, this, all this crap came from bad treatment centers, by the way. All, all these little slogans and everything. Anyway, uh, Anyway, in, this, in the chapter, Working with Others, it talks about finding a prospect. And then it talks about the first visit. Then it talks about the second visit. On the first visit, leave the person the book, the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Ask them to read it, you know, if, they, if they're capable of reading. Ask them to read it in the interval between your first and your second visit. Second visit. On the second visit back, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to ask, well, are you willing to go to those links? What links? Are you willing to go to any links? What links? The links in the book. You read the book. Are you willing to do that? And if they say no or they have any other answer except an unqualified yes, you're basically supposed to say, well, here's my phone number. You know, I really only know one way to recover from alcoholism. Here's my phone number. Give me a call if you ever mean business. Bye-bye. Now, you know, when I was first exposed to this method of, uh, of sponsorship, of, of mentoring someone uh, through the steps, I, you know, I was pretty horrified. I thought you had to trick them. I thought, you know, you had to, like, reel them in and, you know, land them over the course of a couple of months and manipulate them and trick them into doing good things for themselves. But that's really not the case. I have had... I have had my, my, uh, a lot of experience with a lot of different, uh, different people. And I have wasted an exorbitant amount of time working with people who really weren't willing. They, why they asked me to sponsor them, I don't know. Maybe it, was, maybe it was just for me to co-sign their crap. Maybe it was, you know, if they could say, well, Chris is my sponsor, people would leave him alone. You know, maybe, maybe they, 
we're inspired at a meeting, and you know they, boy, this sounds really great, and they ask me, but there was really, there was really not really a lot of follow through, and these individuals wanted me to be one thing. They wanted me to be their drama coach. Okay, they wanted to be able to call me up every time they got in the jackpot. Oh, you wouldn't believe what happened to me this time. Well, yes, unfortunately, I do believe what happened to you this time because you're an idiot. You know what I mean? And you are so your own worst enemy. And the the first mistake you made this morning when you woke up was start to think. You know what I mean? Uh, and I, I mean, I, I, for the longest time I was, I was the drama coach. Middle of the night, phone calls. You know, you know, I just need to talk. Well, I'm here for you. You know, and, and I would, hour after hour these phone calls. Most of these morons ended up sliding their way out of Alcoholics Anonymous and disappearing anyway because they weren't about the business of recovery. You can't recover by sharing, you know, and that's all they wanted to do. And uh, and they wait that all that you know, so you spend time. Your daughter meets them, you know. It's it's bummed out, Bob, Danielle. This is bummed out, Bob. And, you know, you go to the park together, and you go to Dirty Park, and into New York City, and then they slide their way out of all alcoholics and office, and your daughter is going, he's bummed out, Bob, Daddy. Well, sweetheart, he's a loser, you know, and he slimed his way out of alcoholics. And I mean, this happened to me for years. So slowly I started to pay a little bit of attention to this chapter working with others. This chapter working with others will save you all of that heartache of sponsoring people who are on the HAMP measure program. It really will, because it's hardcore. It basically, you know, it, it basically lays it out. Okay, I've got to qualify the individual. I got to be sure he's an alcoholic. I have to, not them. I have to be. I'm going to work with them. And if I'm not sure, I don't need to work with them. If I'm sure and they want to, they want help. I have to work with them, you know. But I don't need to work with somebody that's not an alcoholic. Have I been helpful over the years? Have I even taken people through the steps who weren't alcoholic, who were drug addicts, or absolutely? But I, as an Alcoholics Anonymous member, it's not incumbent upon me to do that. If they're a heavy drinker or disco drunk or something, you know, they don't need me. They can go and share somewhere, and they'll be fine. If, however, they're alcoholic, uh, they're going to have to be about the business of recovery or they're going to slowly die an inch at a time because that's, that's what happens to us. Anyway, so my first visit, qualify the individual. Talk a little bit about my story. Allow the individual to tell me about his story. Try to identify because that's what happened with Bill and Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob said when he talked to Bill Wilson, it was the first time in his life he ever talked to anybody who understood the drinking game. It's the first time. And he was only going to give this bird 15 minutes, and they spent like seven hours together, and he moved him into his house the next day. Moved, moved the, uh, Bill Wilson into the house the next day. Because here was somebody who identified. That identification is powerful. That's why we're here. So in my, in my initial contact with the alcoholic, I need to spend that time. I need to talk about drinking. I don't just say yes in an amen. So I come up to me, hey, Chris, I need a sponsor. Are you available? I don't just say yes. I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to meet with the individual and become convinced that they're an alcoholic. And leave them the book. 
has anybody ever asked you, are you willing to go to any lengths? And then not giving you the dignity of even understanding what the hell that means. What is any lengths? You know? You're going to dress me up in a diaper and march me down Fifth Avenue? I mean, you know, what, what, what the hell is any lengths? Do I got to wash your car every Saturday? Well, what does that mean? You know, I never could get any answers from, from these mutton brains back in the day. Any links, the only way you're going to understand what any links is, is if somebody shows you the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcohol, the book Alcoholics Anonymous is any links. Are you willing to go to these links in here? The, the steps. Read Bill's story. First eight pages of Bill's story is the tragedy. The second eight pages is the recovery. Read the second eight pages of Bill Wilson's story and tell me if you're, if you're willing to do that. Because that's what recovery looks like. Now, um, i got to admit to you, not every single person that asks me today ends up being sponsored by me. Uh, but I don't waste time anymore with people that are not willing. You're not supposed to. The book Alcoholics Anonymous says your time as a recovered alcoholic is extremely valuable. Never waste time working with someone who is not going to work with you. There are, there, are, there are people out there that are much more desperate and willing to work with you. So cut. Cut the ties. Don't work with these people who, who are barely willing to get to meetings, let alone go through the steps. We're not supposed to bother them. Are they welcome in the meetings? Absolutely. This is an open fellowship. Uh, do, you know, do they deserve to work with us? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. So in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, it explains, it, it explains how you are to show the individual how to go through the steps. You know how to go through the steps because you've just had this experience. This leads me to believe that if you haven't gone through the, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to be an effective sponsor or mentor or show people how to go through the steps. How, do you, how are you going to show them how to, how to do amends if you never did them yourself? How, how are you going to do that? And, you know, it's, it's going to be an empty intellectual exercise instead of a sharing of experience, strength, and hope. So uh, I believe it's incumbent upon us as, as sponsors to have our own experience. Now, you know, uh, I believe that there's a lot of latitude in the steps. I know that none of us do them perfectly. I know that there are, each of us has personalities that have uh, specific challenges where it comes to some of these steps. I don't think we get an A, B, or a C in how we go through the steps. I think it's pass-fail. You know what I mean? And if you do enough work, you're, you're going you're gonna to pass and you're going to recover. So, again, I'm not, uh, I'm not a stickler for the, the me mechanics. I'm more interested in the in the spirit of these exercises. And there is, you know, if somebody has a four column or something, or somebody's got a five column, or they've got a four column here, and only two column. I don't really care uh, about that stuff. I look for thoroughness and I look for honesty, you know, when the people are, are, are going through the steps. And, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of latitude. And many of us have already a connection to the grace of God. And it's that grace that kind of intuits through us how to do some of these step processes. You know, I've seen so many people come to so many profound conclusions about their life going through the fourth and the fifth step. I've so, seen so many lights come on in the eyes of 
dead people when they've gone through the eighth and the ninth step. And I've seen so much, so many people improve dramatically their quality of life. You know, praying and meditating and carrying the message to, to other people that you have absolutely no idea. The miracles, there are miracles among us in Alcoholics Anonymous, but you have to work for these miracles. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a religious uh, controversy out there, uh, and ha there has been for hundreds of years now. One of them is justification through faith. You know, you are saved through faith alone. And then there's a, there's a book of James, which the Alcoholics Anonymous, all the early Alcoholics Anonymous members used as, you know, uh, a sounding board for their meetings, where it basically says, a faith without works is dead. I believe that if you're an average person, you can be saved through faith alone. I have no argument about that. I will tell you this, if you're an alcoholic, you are not gonna recover by belief alone. You're gonna have to recover by work. The Alcoholics Anonymous and Recovery is not a spiritual, uh, I'm sorry, not an intellectual uh, 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 endeavor. It's not. It's not about learning more. You know, I do a lot of big book workshops in a lot of different areas. And one of the things I always qualify in these big book workshops are, if you're here just to learn or just to sound, sound better, you know, share better at meetings, that's all well and fine. But don't expect to get a lot out of that. Um, if, if, however, you're going to this big book workshop uh, because you want to uh, gain some knowledge about some things that you can turn into your own experience, some, some practical application, and learn, you know, learn uh, the mechanics so that you can actually go out and do it, that's a whole other thing. You're going to have a whole other experience with it that way because it's through the doing. It's not through the thinking or knowing. It's through the doing that we recover. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, that's been my experience and my experience with just a, a ton of people in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, one of the things that I believe very strongly in, and it's kind of a call to action, and I'll, I'll, I'll end with this, is if every single one of us in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous would take very, very seriously what the chapter Working With Others says and just find two people to get through the steps in the next year. In 10 years, alcoholism will be over. You know what I mean? Exponentially, it will, that, this is how it spread in the early days. In the early days, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous doubled in size like every, every couple of years, if not less. And it's because of working one-on-one -on -one with the alcoholic and showing them a recovery experience. We don't do that much anymore. We've, we've become a lazy, meeting-dependent kind of a fellowship, you know. Not, certainly not the people in this room. I'm uh, not talking about us. In general. And, uh, and if we could just get back to the power uh, of the actions that they talk about in the chapter working with others, uh, we could really, really save some lives out there. There's, uh, there's no doubt. I was on, uh, I was on a head-on collision with ruin, death and ruin uh, in the late '80s. Uh, I, I, my alcoholism had progressed to the point where I was literally poisoning myself to death with hard liquor every single night. Um, going, you know, alcohol poisoning uh, myself every single night, and I could not stop. 
But that, that sickness, that physical sickness, wasn't even the worst part. It was the psychic and emotional trauma that I was putting myself through. Now, now think about this. The recovery process for alcoholism, if all it did was offer us separation from alcohol, it would be worth it. But it offers so much more. The recovery process offers so much more. It offers soundness of mind. It offers an awakened spirit. You know, uh, being able to uh, intuitively know the right way to act, coming to the right thoughts, having compassion, having compassion. What uh, what recovery has offered me is. I was able to move my structure off of a foundation built on selfishness, self-centeredness, self-seeking, and self-absorption to a new foundation. And that new foundation is built on love, service, and compassion. And that's a complete shift in perception. It's a complete new perspective. It's looking at the world with a complete new pair of glasses. And it's way more, way, I am so grateful because it's way more than I think I, I deserve the way I was living at the end. So alcoholism is an aggressive, progressively fatal illness. It kills you, and before you even know it, you have it, it kills you. But if you're lucky enough to be part of the, part of the, uh, the crew that actually recovers from it, there are some serious promises uh, that are attached to it. Knowing that new freedom, knowing that new happiness, under, understanding what serenity means, being being able to be alone at perfect peace and ease, not having to fight alcohol anymore, not having to fight anything anymore. These are incredible promises, but we need to work for them. And again, um, uh, I've had a really great time uh, doing the talks here at this workshop. Uh, uh, the Montclair area has really got some stuff going on. Uh, I love coming down here. I've got some good friends in this area. And uh, I want to I thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Al. Okay, the uh, reading for today is the, the paragraph on page... 416 at the bottom, it says, At last, acceptance proved to the key to my drinking problem. After I've been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, now finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts. And it's, it is all right with me. Now what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. In this paragraph, we see that uh, acceptance is awareness proved to be the key to my drinking problem. In other words, the key. After I've been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working well. Okay, the program is words. The words mixed with honesty. The words, people giving the example how the words affect their lives. Testimonies. The prayers. That's loosening up the boulders and the denial. The dam of denial. I was finally able to say, 
Okay, God, let me judge myself. It is true. The truth, you know, it is the problem all the time. It was full of denial. It was facing the wrong way. And finally, when I, I got it to face the right way, I went, okay, God, it is true. It is true. Okay, it is inside me. Kind of like a cross. But I, of all people, strange as it may seem, it slipped through me, Lord, through this uh, society of drinking. It slipped through me. I dropped my guard. Even though I didn't give my permission, it snuck in there. Now I'm in this boat. I'm really, really an alcoholic of sorts. I messed up. I let it seep in. I, I let it take advantage of me. This is my awareness. And here's it again. And it it's all right with me. It is there, plural. It's all right with me. Everything is, I accept that I did that. Now, I look to God and I said, what am I going to do about it? Or what are we going to do about it? You know, God says, my higher power, as I understand, says, I will never leave you, nor forsake I am. And he's proven over and over again that my higher power is cool, calm, collective, humorous, supplying, mercy, and kindness. So now he says, now what am I going to do about it? In other words, I have authority over my shoulders. I have an authority that loves me. I have an authority that's guiding me and, and giving me a sense of, of purpose and awareness that it, the buck stops here with me. It, it's all right with me. How, however I messed up it, I can now take it to God. What am I going to do about it? How am I going to fix this with your strength? When I stopped living in the problem, the problem was hitting the bottom more. The problem was rage and, and trying it on my own bootstrap. The problem was I wasn't including God on, in my it. I was not including, I didn't think God uh, was a punishing God. The moment I, I received it as a merciful, a kind, forgiving God, no big deal, just say uncle. It was the easiest thing to do. God, I'm sorry. I, uncle, I give up on this. I'm facing the wrong direction. As soon as I started facing the right direction and asked, what am I going to do about it? I stopped living in the problem because I faced the right direction. I began living in the answer. A bunch of words. The answer is the 12-step program. The proven program that gives us a manner of living which really works. A manner of living is it puts resources on the table for us to live happy joyous and free lives that's what the program is aimed at we're not a sad glum lot when i stopped living in the problem or rehearsing the problem i began rehearsing the answer and the problem went away it didn't have any power from that moment on i haven't had a single compulsion to drink to get into trouble to get into haywire my sponsor he puts it this way Les Arcana is the guy that's sponsoring me. He just sent me a text and it says, When we first became aware of the problem, a situation, or a feeling, we may react with anxiety or fear. There is no need to fear awareness. No need. Awareness is the first step towards positive change and growth. It's the first step towards solving the problem or getting their needs met. The first step to, to, toward the future is how we focus on the next lesson. Awareness is how life 
the universe, or our God get our attention and prepares us for change. The process of becoming change begins with awareness. Where this acceptance and change, where this acceptance and change, that's the cycle we can expect the temporary discomfort from awareness because that's how we move to a better place. We can ex accept the temporary discomfort from awareness because that's how we move in a better place. We can accept the temporary discomfort because we can trust God and ourselves. Today, I will be grateful for my awareness I encounter. I will display gratitude, peace, and dignity when life gets my attention. I will remember that it's okay to accept the temporary discomforts from, from awareness because I can trust that it is my God moving me forward. Amen. That was from Les Accounta. He sent it to me. How wonderful. I replied, thank you. A good Holy Spirit bird's eye view. Uh, and we were just talking about that in our Zoom class, pages 416 and 417. Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, stranger they may seem, I am an alcoholic of sorts. I'm a mess up. And it's all right with me to be a mess up, to be an alcoholic. Now I relax and I don't try to change it with my own faith and hope and reverse osmosis, regret, or try to be a little child to, you know, act like I'm going to be. I am responsible. I take awareness of my problems and, okay, God, I have faith now. We can do this. And it's all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? Acceptance, awareness, and asking what are we going to do about it? And wait with pen and pencil and, and start writing down these lessons so we don't have to repeat them again. These are lessons. Another word for awareness is reproof, corrections, okay, discipline. You know, awareness that we have a God that will help us. Life is not difficult. We don't have to go get food, water, we have shelter, we have a very compassionate society for us that when we mess up, I was aware of that, I, the police, everybody, the, the fines, those are all awarenesses, our present circumstances are awareness so we can look up and, and see an eye looking back down on us, waiting for us to be aware. I love you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for today's reading. Okay, chapter what, seven? to look for it first you know I did remove a lot of activities out of my schedule um, that was it's kind of I was bogged down with making podcasts and trying to save the whole world oh it's on page 98 98 okay let's go over uh, 98 thank you so it's the fair the first paragraph it is not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give. 
That often makes the difference between failure and success. The minute we put our work on a service plane, the alcoholic commences to rely upon our assistance rather than upon God. Mm. He clamors for this or that, claiming he cannot master alcohol until his material needs are cared for. Nonsense. Some of us have taken very hard knocks to learn this truth. Job or no job, wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. And so when I'm when I'm, when I'm working with another alcoholic, a, a, a person that hasn't worked the steps, because it doesn't matter if they're new or old, right? Mm-hmm. It's someone who hasn't had a, a, a connection with the higher power. We take over. We want, we're, when we're doing that and not working any steps with them and they're calling us for advice and what should I do, then we're, we're playing the role of, of God in their life. Okay. Right? Right. So now they're, they're putting their dependence upon another human being. Mm. And when they relapse, who are they going to blame? Oh, my sponsor or my sponsor never had time for me. Right. Well, I have to help you get connected spiritually. Guy shared yesterday in the meeting that, you know, he, he, his higher power is Jesus Christ. And, and, um, he shared about how working the steps helped him to, to form a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. See, he would go to church and, and do the prayers and, and go through the motions of, of being in service and everything. But once he did his fourth and fifth step and learned some truth about himself and and started connecting spiritually, now he has a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and we're able to help other people to form a relationship with their higher power, right? We know who our higher power is, but what I mean by that is you form a relationship with your higher power. So then when we get to the, the maintenance, what they call the maintenance steps, 10, 11, and 12, like my friend Carlos, I call him my friend. I, he's worked the steps. He did them within three months. Mm. Now we had a conversation yesterday. I'm able to help him with his character defects, not mm. tell him what you gotta do, what you should do. I take him to the book, and I always I encourage him to pray and ask God because mm-hmm. now we have that relationship. But if we don't practice it and apply it. How are we going to hear from God if all we're doing is talking to other human beings? Yes, yes. You see? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. chapter 5 talks all, all about prayer and meditation. And that doesn't talk a lot about meditation. It mentions it once. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. already talks about it. That, that should be our, our focus. And so that's why it's important and vital to get through the fourth step as soon as possible. Because if we're just doing... A bunch of meetings and and staying busy. That's five, great. Trying to be friendly and smiling all the time. That's great. A lot of work. That's that's great, but mm-hmm. it's it, it's even better after we've done the mm, step work. Right, and then the friendship kicks in. Because, hi. You know Anna, huh? Hi. Thank you. Hi. You're welcome. Thank you, babe. You're welcome. And so, like. For example, by now, we should have been done with this fourth step. I should be listening to your fifth step by now. Yes, yes, yes. 
I, I, know, I noticed I was avoiding it because I was oh god once I started it wasn't that big of a deal mm -hmm. and then we go to chapter 2 yeah sorry about that chapter 2 page 18 okay. it's, it's right there It says at the bottom, towards the bottom, but where they say italicized. Mm -hmm. But the ex-problem drinker who has found a solution. Okay. So after working the steps, found the solution. The solution to my problems is a connection with my higher power. I've learned that I'm a selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, man full of fear. Mm -hmm. Full of resentments. Right? I've learned this stuff about myself. So it says, who is properly armed with facts about himself. How do I become properly armed with facts about, about myself? By doing a fourth step. By doing a fifth step. Thoroughly and honestly as best as I, as I can. Mm -hmm. Not perfectly because like you said, you just shared with me. Things are going to crop up that I forgot. Mm -hmm. But by that time, I, I have a tenth step. I, know I can give it to God. And I can discuss it with another human being. And instead of writing it down, now I can just talk to another human being one-on-one -on -one after I've shared it with God and asked God to remove it. Cropped up, okay, I need to make amends. It says we make amends now. We, we continue making amends. So that's where we learned that who is properly armed with facts about himself can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Mm -hmm. Until oh, such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. Wow. That the man who is making the approach has had the same difficulty. I had the same difficulty. I cannot control and enjoy my drinking. I cannot... Mm. I cannot handle life successfully mm -hmm. on my own. We've had the same difficulties. That's why we're here in the same room of AA, right? Mm -hmm. And right. so says that he obviously knows what he's talking about. I made, I made some amends. You know, I'm, I'm doing, doing right by my family, by people that I've hurt. That is whole department. And I know what I'm talking about in regards to alcoholism. I know that it's a fatal malady. I know... There's an obsession that, that kicks in. It's a peculiar mental twist. I know that I'm beyond human aid. Mm -hmm. I've learned these things. That probably no human power could relieve my alcoholism, but God could and would if you were sought. I've learned the ABCs of alcoholism. And so it says that his whole department shouts at the new prospect, the, the person that's just coming in into the rooms. That he is a man with the real answer. And the real answer lies in the book. There's a solution. That's the title of, of the first chapter where step, you know, where recovery is involved. Because chapter one is Bill's story. Mm -hmm. And so it says that he has no ha attitude of holier than thou. Right? That's what, when I work with others, we're on the same, we're, we're like this. On the same, le we're right here. Side by side. It's not, I'm up here, you're down here. We're both two alcoholics working with another alcoholic where you're helping me, I'm helping you. Right? We're Amen. both helping each other. Okay. Because you're helping me ensure my sobriety, immunity from drinking. 
by spending time with me. So we're both helping each other. That's what Step 12 promises. It ensures immunity from drinking. Yeah. And so it says, nothing would ever accept a sincere desire to be helpful. That's it. The sincere desire to be helpful. That there are no fees to pay, no access to grind, right? Hey, Fernando, I just drove from all the way over there, and you know, gas is expensive now. Can you help me out with 10 bucks? No fees to pay, right? Mm-hmm. No access to grind. Fernando, what the fuck? Why, why didn't you finish with your fourth step already, bro? Like, nah, I'm not gonna lecture you. I'm not gonna, no people to please, no lectures to be endured. I'm gonna talk to you in a, in a genuine way, in a nice way, but I'm not gonna, come on, you know, it's like, yeah, no yeah, access yeah, to grind, yeah, no that, people to please. That's that's uh, kind of yeah. That you know, be... and and the no people to please for me is like, yeah. I'm not gonna. You're not looking I'm not. For I'm not looking for the applause. Like right. go to the park meetings to see if Fernando's gonna say, "Oh yeah, Rudy's helping with the steps." No, it's not about that. Mm. It's not about the applause sure, and yeah. and all. You no, know, you know, it feels good when people acknowledge you, mm-hmm. but it, when it happens, it happens, and that thank thank God for that. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. These are the conditions we have found most effective. And this is biblical right here, too, if you think about it. After such an approach, many take up their beds and walk again. Mm. You know, Jesus went up to Amen. take yeah. up your mat and walk or whatever. The awakening. And so, it's right there, you know. It's a... Uh... And 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 the guy, I like what the guy shared yesterday in the book book bookshop workshop. He's like, a lot of people ask me, so you don't do any writing prior to the fourth step? And he's like, you know what? I do. We do do. I when I work with others, I do. We do a lot of writing. We we underline and we highlight. So we do use our our pen and our highlighter, but we don't do any write any writing assignments. When we're reading the book, we have them underline and highlight stuff while we're reading together. That's it. And that's it. You know? It's like step two. Go to, go to chapter four. Step two is right there. It's, it's in black and white. It's in page 47. doesn't tell us to write anything. It says we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. And it's actually a two-part question. Do I now believe? Mm-hmm. Or am I even willing to believe? Mm-hmm. So if you don't believe, maybe you're at least willing to believe mm-hmm. that there is a power greater than myself. As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, it doesn't say he should start writing a five-page essay on what my higher power means to me, what I want my higher power to be. It doesn't say that. It says we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. Mm-hmm. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, that's it, this simple cornerstone, do I now believe? Am I even willing to believe? If you are, let's keep it pushing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's do that third step prayer. 
you know, let's let's do it. Now you, you you're showing your faith with action by getting the pen and the paper in your four step and doing some writing. Mm. You say you, you you're willing to believe, well mm -hmm. prove it. Show show it by by, by 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 your actions. Actions speak louder than words. Mm -hmm. Alright, God, you put this person in my path. I believe. I'm gonna trust you. Let, let me spend time with you. Help me. Help me remember my resentments and help me finish this. Let's do this. And that's right there. Has repeatedly been proven among us that upon a simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. Which, uh, which others can walk through the, through the church. And so when reading chapter four with somebody, there it is right there, that's step two. And then of course you continue reading and break it, break down whatever you can with them. Mm -hmm. But as far as for the steps is concerned, I always tell people, it's like, let's, let's just continue reading till we, till we can keep it going. I highly recommend and suggest doing um, big book meetings. Mm -hmm. I, I recommend those more than open participation meetings. Because yeah, you're going to get more out of the program by doing book book uh, book studies. And for, you'll learn more. First 165? So when, so when you work with others. Yeah, for, stay in the first 165, right? Yeah. Amen. So... So that's where it's at right there. All right, kid. Uh, I, I got it all. So this um, to illustrate, to go back, uh, we just continue to start from one and continue to read with the new guy. And as we go along for the first 164, you start. When, you, when, you, when you're working with the new guy, you read the doctor's opinion first. Okay. Okay, go over it again. Like. One doctor opinion, two. And then them uh, page one. You you can read Bill's story with them. Okay. Just go through it real quick, but then chapter two, that's where it starts. Okay, chapter two, that's where it starts. Uh, I got most of that stuff underlined. I got to go through this so I can get it in, in me and then record it myself over again. The uh, the steps and act like a and maybe have one person. In, uh, I don't have to do homework good, as you notice, right? All through life, gotta get, gotta get down to the, to stopping and and, and doing the work. It's not. Mm -hmm. You're, you'll be able, you're gonna be able to help a lot of people because they look up to you too. A lot of new people, they look more for the time than for, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So that's a plus in your, in on your part. You know, especially somebody like that, that doesn't have the, the time, but right, like you were saying, but as in this, someone new that's been in treatment centers, they teach them, get somebody with five years or two years, mm -hmm. right? So it's, they look for quantity instead of the quality, right? Right. And so with, so I, used, I, I did that when I first went to the Midnight Mission. I didn't know anything about a, how much time do you have? Oh, I have five years. Oh, can you be my sponsor? And then the other guy's on fire and pumped up. 
Oh no, but he doesn't have that much time. Right? So it's not in the, that's not not even in here. No, it's not. Doctor's you, opinion says that we must do likewise with still others right away. Right you know, away. Yeah, just yeah. like and this is just a, a side note, biblically, right? The woman the the Samaritan woman, she had an encounter mm -hmm. right? right with him. Right. And then right after she had the encounter with him, she had a spiritual awakening as mm -hmm. a result of having an encounter with that higher power. Right. Or with our higher right. power that we right. know. Right. But when she had that spiritual awakening or experience, she went and she told the other people. Yeah. She went out and told the good news. So once we have a spiritual awakening as a result of working these steps, we're going to want to go share this news with other people. Amen. Yeah. So it's similar, right? Right. So that that's that's what I'm saying. It's like we we get this by working the steps. That's not for me. That's the real alcoholic. There's no middle of the road solution. It talks about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where's that? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Very vague. It says right here on page 34, it says, For those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Beautiful, beautiful. Where's that at? Page 34. And that's a pre-qualifier, right? Um, not. And you can usually tell by their beat up. There it is, power to choose he would drink or not. Bill Dawson reminds me of Bill Dawson's story. Uh, he was ready. And then page on page 39 I have this highlight we, we just read this yesterday it's in the middle of the first paragraph it says but the actual or potential alcoholic so the actual alcoholic the real alcoholic and then there's a potential alcoholic. There's different types of alcoholics. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of types. But at the end of the day, if you're an alcoholic, it's imperative to work the steps. It'll help you to help others as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what's, that's the basis. It's, 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 it's a better way of living, to have a spiritual connection with the higher power. So it says the actual or potential alcoholic. Mm -hmm. See, the moderate drinker, might be a potential alcoholic. He's not not as bad. He can stop or moderate, and the the fellowship is is uh, is filled with moderate, hard drinkers and real alcoholics. And so that's why it gets the message gets mixed up because there's people that were moderate drinkers. They joined AA. They wanted to stop drinking. They never worked the steps. They just got they got involved in the fellowship and. They stayed sober, but the real alcoholic, his life is in danger. Mm. And it says, with hardly an exception, will be absolutely 
absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. Beautiful. Beautiful. We, we're, I'm unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge. I've tried that. Yes, yes. It says, yes. this is a point we wish to emphasize and re-emphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers and as it has been revealed to us out of bitter experience. Mm. And death for death, witnessing death. Let us, and then let us take another illustration. So then, their brains have and bodies have not been damaged as ours. Mm -hmm. You know, I seem to uh, come alive more with a real alcoholic than working with others. You know, they're with moderate and social drinkers. They come around, but it's just more. They're, but, my, they're my friends. They're better friends. Right. Real alcoholics. And, and 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 like Fred, you know, Fred had everything. He had it made. Fred's story. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. It's the first the first part of it right there it says, Fred is partner in a well known accounting firm. His income is good. He has a fine home. Good income, fine home. He is happily married. Happily married. Mm -hmm. And the father of promising children of college age. This guy had it going on. Mm -hmm. He has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. Mm -hmm. If ever there was a successful businessman, it is Fred. But he's an, he has an alcohol, alcoholic problem. He's an alcoholic. So appearances, he is stable, well-balanced individual, yet he is alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Maybe he he wasn't the real deal, but he's a potential for that because it goes on to you know talk about how he relapsed, he made up his mind to quit altogether, but then it goes on to say he was doing fine, he stayed sober, and on the bottom of page forty it says. The last sentence of, of before the, the last paragraph, it says, I felt I had every right to be self-confident that it would all be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. Mm -hmm. In this frame of mind, I went about my business and for a time all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder. Why? Because his business came first. So now he put his business in front of everything, was focused. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. He thought that he could do it mm -hmm. without God on his own willpower. And he said he began to wonder. <laughs> Boom, the thought. Why? Because it centers in our mind. Alcoholism centers in our mind, not in our in our body. It centers in the mind. Amen. Yes. So it says, I began to wonder. Boom, that's where it starts for him. Began to wonder. If I had not been making too hard work of a simple matter... But one day I went to Washington to present some account accounting evidence to a government bureau. I had been out of town before during this particular dry spell. He was just dry. He wasn't spiritually connected. He was just dry, a dry drunk, like they say in the rooms, right? Mm -hmm. So there was nothing new about that. I mean, he'd been able to push the drinks aside, say no thank you. 
Oh, we're on the top up there. Mm -hmm. uh, Thank so you. Uh, uh, page 41. Top. Got it. Good. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. Everything was going good. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be too. It was the end of a perfect day, not a cloud on the horizon. And because he began to wonder, right? So this was already way before this happened. He says, I began to wonder if I had not been making too hard of a simple matter. So he's already wondering all this a day before this, that he relapsed. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So now it says, I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. And he's his mind's already already move in motion of wondering, man, maybe I'm not like all these people. I mean, I've been sober for, I don't know, maybe six, nine months. And I haven't, you know, had, had thoughts of drinking. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. So now mm -hmm. look at as I cross the threshold of the dining room, the thought, again, it comes to our mind. The thought came to mind. So it starts with a thought mm -hmm. that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all, nothing more. Mm -hmm. Nothing more. So that's it, he relapsed. We're just gonna skim through this, but the next paragraph says, as soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Because now he's having this taxi cab, cab driver drive him all over for days, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, yes. we read that right there. It says, not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. He didn't fight it. He thought about it. Mm-hmm. This time I had not thought of the consequences at all. He didn't even think of the consequences. He thought it would be nice to have a drink. He thought, maybe I'm not like these people. But wow. he didn't think about the consequences that it, what happened before in his, uh, when he was drinking, you know, ending up at the hospital or whatever. Now he's thinking, oh, I'm, a, I'm good now. Mm -hmm. And it yes. says, I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale, like if there was soda or water. And so if we go to page 43, the first paragraph that starts the, the page, it says, Fred's story speaks for itself. We hope it strikes home to thousands like him. So that's another type of alcoholic. Fred is a, a in a Fred's another type of alcoholic. They're, they're sharing different stories, like Jim's story is another mm -hmm. alcoholic. So there are all types of alcoholics, but we all, it's for identification because some of us are not skid row bums. Mm -hmm. Some of us had, or still have nice houses, a beautiful wife. We have all that together, but we have alcoholic problems. So that's what it says. Fred's story speaks for itself. We hope it strikes home to thousands like him that that type of alcoholic mm -hmm. and then it's it goes on to say he had felt only the first nip of the ringer he didn't end up on skid row he didn't end up in jail or prison but he ended up in the hospital he he felt only the first nip of the ringer he was he was 
if he kept going, he'd eventually probably end up on Skid Row. Most alcoholics have to be pretty, pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. Most of us have to be pretty messed up before we finally start to, to solve our problems. Amen. And then the last paragraph right there, that's also the ABCs in a different, in a different form mm -hmm. of, uh, of what chapter 5 says, that we were alcoholic and cannot manage our own lives. That probably no human part could have relieved our alcoholism and see that God couldn't would if you were sought. So it says once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. Right? Mm -hmm. Came to believe that a part greater than myself could relieve my alcoholism. So it says his defense must come from a higher power. It must come from, from a higher power, who I choose to call God, you know? So it's right there in the book. It's his defense. It doesn't say his defense must come from a sponsor. Mm. His defense must come from an old timer his defense mm -hmm. must come from a drug and alcohol counselor mm. his defense must come from the fellowship his defense must come from a bunch of meetings my defense from drinking must come from a higher power mm -hmm. so that's why i'm trying to to help you understand that we when we're helping working with another alcoholic we need to let them know your defense doesn't come from me bro mm -hmm. it's, it has to come from a higher power so i gotta get you not 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 necessarily you fernando i'm just speaking in general yeah, when i'm yeah. working with somebody i need to get my job is to get you connected spiritually because i'm just another alcoholic it's beautiful i'm another human being just like you with yeah, imperfections yeah. and flaws so I need him just as much as he, I, I want you to know that you need him as well. Beautiful. He's yeah, the one yeah. that's helping He's us. He's in charge, not me. He uses us once we get connected to help others to bring them to him. That's it. So it's right there. His defense, my defense, your defense must come from a higher power. Amen. And so when working with a new man or woman... Our job is to lead them to the water. Mm -hmm. I'm just using a yeah, yes, metaphor, yes, but yes. lead them to the living waters, right? Man, lead That's them to the Creator. A primary, uh, uh, um, because if I'm spending too much time helping them, uh, helping them try to uh, be a counselor to them. They're going to be like, oh, well, my sponsor Good. told me to do this. My sponsor told me to do that. But wait a minute. What did, what did God tell you? Mm -hmm. So that's why we got to get through the fourth and fifth step as soon as we can. Because okay. we're, we're getting connected spiritually through that, doing that. That's the only hope that's going to keep them from the, yeah. from the drink. Yeah, and we're just bring, bring, um, and stringing it, them along and saying, oh, it's okay, babying them. Oh, it's okay. Take your time with your four step. I'm here whenever you need me. I got then one like they're going to be depending on me. I got one like that hanging in there. Right they're going to be depending on you, Fernando. Like, hey, Fernando. Too. Hey, Fernando, my, my girlfriend, this, and my baby mama, that. And 
the, the answers are in the doing the fourth and fifth step and getting connected spiritually. So that's what I'm trying to encourage you. Yes, sir. So if you like, if you do, if you do it right in a timely manner, mm -hmm. then you can let them know. I'm not telling you nothing that I haven't done myself, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? You're yeah. gonna be able yeah. to tell the new man or woman that you're working with. I'm not telling you nothing that I haven't done. I struggled with it too, but I pushed along once my sponsor spoke to me. We had this little talk, and I just kept it going. Yes, sir. So I'm just trying to help, and then you'll be able to help them. Because you've experienced that too, even like kind of sitting on your four-step as they say it, right? Right, right, right. But after we have this little talk, hopefully it'll encourage you to just keep it going because then you won't have no excuses when you work with another person. Like, nah, you know, once we had that talk, that was it. I, I kept it going. And so mm -hmm. that's now I'm talking to you the same way because I see the, the importance of getting through this in a timely manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. You know? So that's why it's important for us to do it. So when we help somebody, then it's not, we're not telling nothing that we haven't done ourselves. And it's on page 63 in the last, the first sentence all the way on the bottom. I mean, I, I would encourage you to take that to heart. That's right after step three. It doesn't say um, later or up in a few weeks, in a few days. It's right after doing the third step. Next, we launch on, of course, Next. a vigorous action. So, right after the third step, prayer. Mm -hmm. Remember, like what we did together. I, okay. you had your notebook, and I showed you how to, how to start your resentment list. It says next, not later in a few days. Next is right away. Amen. We launched. In other words, we got on the boat, and that's all we did. And then it doesn't say we went on cruise control. <laughs> Right now, uh, Carlos, Fernando, it seems like you've been on cruise control. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm just showing you in the book. I'm not trying, I'm making nothing up right here. Right. Nothing that I'm made in, made, making up or made up. It says it's right here in black and white. They, they didn't put next we, we drifted, next we took our time, mm -hmm. we launched out. Amen. The more... On a course of vigorous action. Vigorous action. That's on the bottom of 63. That should be stamped on my forehead. The first step, which is a personal house cleaning. And we read this. Uh -huh. Sometimes we forget what we read. And so it's good to read it over because it says which many of us have never attempted. A lot of people have never done a fourth step and some haven't come back and they know what they gotta do. Mm -hmm. It says, though our decision, the third step was vital and crucial. That's cool, you made a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, right? I made a decision 
to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Mm-hmm. But there's, I gotta do some. If I, if I did that, I gotta show show it by by works. Faith without works is dead. Oh, I gave my will and my life over to the care of God, and I'm doing all this other stuff. But it says it could have little permanent effect unless at once. Mm-hmm. At once, not again. Not whenever I felt like it or when I have time. Mm-hmm. Follow? At once, Fernando. Unless at once. Not when I have time. Not when I, when I find some quiet, peaceful time. No, at once. Followed. Followed by a strenuous effort. Am I doing this strenuously? Am I on a vigorous course of action mm-hmm, or am I mm-hmm. am I making all these excuses for why I'm taking so long right 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 it says strenuous effort strenuous to effort. face some of us we don't like to face this stuff so we make all these different mm-hmm, excuses mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. alibis why it's so hard for me to get it done right, isn't it Bill, right, Will, right. Bill Wilson but I'd be like, oh, I can't because the nurse keeps coming in. He was in the hospital and he was doing this four step. Towns Hospital. Oh, I I don't have time because they keep doing checking my IV. They keep coming in here and I I I I, I can't. I, I'll wait till I get out of the hospital. Right, right. Imagine right. if he would have waited. Yeah, no. He probably he would. wouldn't be here today. He probably would have got drunk again. Yeah, this would not happen. He for did us. his four step while he was in the hospital. He he, he didn't. You know, he started his steps right there. And so that's another a good example. It's like he he wanted to do this and he he, he did it. Mm-hmm. So it's up to us. Am I willing to do this? Am I willing to go to any lengths to recover? Or, you know, it's, it's just up to me. It's my, my question to answer. And so it says, the things in ourselves which have been blocking us, our liquor was but a symptom. So we had to get down to causes and conditions. Amen. We had to get down. Okay, get ready there. That's a good one too. We had to get down to causes and conditions because our lives are at stake at and the people's lives are at stake at it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there was a, a lady that was, she was asking me, she come out of jail, she 58. Are you going to come to the next meeting? You know what that says. You know, in other words, I want to, I want I want you to teach me this thing. That's what she was saying. And I was, I go, no, I won't be coming to the noon meeting. And I kind of avoided her, you know, we're not supposed to work. And uh, about three weeks later, she burned herself with, um, killed herself. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the park, the lighter fluid. Oh wow! Uh, and everybody was. And I thought, I thought to myself, you know, that she, she, uh, we can get together as the two couples, man, and just get friendly with them and and start doing this thing. Uh, Had something to give, some value to give them. Could have been a chance there she'd be around today. Yeah, you know, because.
Nothing wrong with working with the, the opposite sex. Right. Like, your mo- your motives. It's the motives motive behind it. I have a sincere desire to be helpful. I don't care what anybody says. Excuse my language, but I don't give a fuck what he says, she says, about me sitting down with a woman, mm-hmm. taking her through the book. Beautiful. If, if, if you... If you see something wrong with it mm-hmm. and, and right not you I'm just saying right yeah for example yeah. if she over there that lady with 20 plus years sees some a problem with me working with this woman then why doesn't she offer to help her right right where you, you see at? what I mean yeah and when they first the, the first women got sober there was no other women sober to help the first women Beautiful. so who helped them Bill Wilson and the other guys yeah. helped the first women that recovered then the other women helped the other women. But when the very first women recovered, That's right. they weren't taken through the steps by another woman because there was no other. There had to be one woman, the first women, to to be taken. You know, you know what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, the stories, too. A countless, I came in, I was the only woman. And then the group took her in, you know, and then they started working with them. So... so and we got a lot of Al-Anon ladies, too, that the guy, guys are their sponsors. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if you have a, if you're connected spiritually with God, mm-hmm. and you know, like, like my, my, I, I read, I read with the girl last, the beginning of this, no, was it this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the beginning of the year, I think, I'm not sure. I met her on Zoom, and I told her straight out what my, spon- my sponsor told me, like, by all means, help her. She says there's no women are, are are available to help her. She's reaching out on Zoom on the message board. They need help too. Like right now, like, I got a sponsor. And that. let them know, look. Yeah. I, I, I'm gonna read with. You. I, 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 I would. I love to help you. Whatever. Um, all we're gonna do is strictly step work. There's not gonna be no flirting. No. T- no, no sexual talk. No, nothing. No the, my only motive, my, you know, my goal is to help you with this. And if 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 by the time you're done with your fourth step, you you feel comfortable with the woman, by all means, I highly suggest you ask her to help you, so you could do your fifth step with her. And if and if you find a woman when you were done with, when you're gonna do your fifth step that you would like to do your fifth step with, you don't have to do it with me. The book talks about you find a clues, my friend. And then once you're done with your fifth step, get back to me and we can keep moving along with the steps. Right. So you're not really doing anything but helping her with her fourth step. And she's not going to share her fifth step with you. She's going to find another person. I you got highly recommend. Hey, would you like to do your fifth step with this woman? Or Yeah, I recommend this lady right here. Yeah, I don't have to be there. It's between you and another human being and God. I did that. I sent her off to someone else. And she, you know, the lady's got about six years now. And that's exactly what happened. I sent her off. I don't want to hear it. You know, you're sick stuff. Um... So are you are you done with your fourth call or you're done with your No. You're not you're not done? Okay. I'm not done. It's not thoroughly, it's too too much chicken scratch. Alright. Uh how about um what's as soon as we can do? Mm. One more chance. I'd like to ask you for one more day. <laughs> how about 
I'll I'll just give you a few days. How about Monday? Okay, though. Um, is that your day off? You, you... Um, Monday is my day off, but I'm gonna be going to Vegas tomorrow. Okay. For my uh, for Easter weekend, I'm gonna go to church over there with my brother. Beautiful, beautiful. I got, I go to Vegas a lot with the grandkids, and I go to the uh, to the Serenity Hall. Oh yeah, I've been yeah. there. Yeah. With the rock outside. Yeah. 5.30 in the morning. I've like been next there. to like a cho cho shopping center? Yeah, a little Chinese thing. Yeah, yeah, the Chinese thing. thing. There you go. I, I went there. That they have a, like a little shop when you walk in. Yeah, that was amazed. Open 24 hours a day. It was historical. 140 yeah. meetings a week. I, I went L1, there. The last I've, been, I've been there three times this, this sobriety because my brother moved out there last year to Henderson. Nice, nice. Henderson is a nice place. I got a nephew there too. You know, These guys are not alcoholic. They don't, they don't, they don't gamble or drink. Imagine what a beautiful thing. Yep. So let before we go, let me, let's go to sixty-seven. Okay. The last paragraph. This is gonna be your next your next assignment once you're done with with your inventory. Okay. Amen. But um, we're just gonna read on it. Want to read? Okay, sixty-seven. We avoid. No notice. The last paragraph. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside difficulties with Mr. Brown. Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife, this short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It, would, it was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune. We felt we didn't deserve, but did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes, we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. We review our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. So, mm -hmm. right there, there's another writing assignment. Some people say it's a fifth column. It doesn't matter. It really, that doesn't really need to be up for debate mm -hmm. as long as we do it. Mm -hmm. What I've been taught is just it's a fierce inventory. It's its own inventory. Mm -hmm. You know, other people do it as a fifth column. I just I always just do it right down the top of the page, fears, and make a list of your fears. Sim this okay. says we, we, we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, right? We write them down. But that's it. Even though we had no resentment and connection with them. But we, we, this is the work we do ourselves. We don't write anything out. It says we asked ourselves. It, says, it doesn't say we wrote it down. It says we asked ourselves why we had them. And why am I, why do I have this fear, right? So we do that with God. We ask ourselves why we had them. But then the answer is right there too. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went. But it didn't go far enough. Some of us had... Once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. And you see that in the fellowship too. People, we run out, we still get in fear, but we it, we get cocky about it. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody takes my seat, right? I'm mm -hmm. just giving an example. I'm not saying I do, I do it. I've done it before, but I I, I don't I don't do it now. But mm -hmm. before, even at at. You see, still see it. Somebody take somebody's seat. Hey, that's my seat, bro. Really? Right? <laughs> Why? There's Why? fear. Oh, because if I don't speak out, 
are the people are gonna think I'm a punk, right? So it makes us cocky. It's worse. Mm-hmm. Now I got problems with this guy. Right. Right. And so it says perhaps there's a better way. So this is a fear solution. For we are now. That's what, what I call it. Because it says, for now we are on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. So this is where we put our faith into action. Again, I like to be passive-aggressive, Fernando, mm-hmm. because a lot of people want to put that a lot of emphasis on their sponsor, their sponsor, okay, yeah. right? Their sponsor this, their sponsor that. But right here it's saying, the basis of trusting and relying upon my sponsor. doesn't say that. Are you there? Right. Basis of trusting, relying upon God. Amen. We trust infinite. So God. that's what my 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 goal with the newcomer is to let them help them get connected. Cause I don't want I don't want no applause. Oh, my sponsor helps me help me go to school. My sponsor this. My, I just want to help you give him glory. Amen. That's it. Amen. Beautiful. I want you to to be able to. Give thanks to God. Oh, I thank God for Rudy helping me with the steps. That's mm-hmm, cool. Mm-hmm, but don't help. Don't, I, I don't want no other, you know, no no, no, no applause in, in other yeah. ways because all I want to do is help you to trust and rely upon God. Because I might fail you. You might hear me say something that doesn't align with what you look up to me as. Oh, Rudy said that. I can't believe that. Or oh, Rudy was flirting with that girl. Oh, my God. He's, and at the end of the day, when you're connected, like, yeah, he's a human. Mm-hmm. He's not perfect. Amen. Maybe I could talk to him. Hey, Rudy, what's up with that? You're, I seen you flirting with that girl. Yeah, man, I mess. You know, I got caught up with her, and I shouldn't have been doing that. You know, I got to check myself. Because we check ourselves. We're not human, right? Spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. And so that's why it's important to have the newcomer trust and rely upon God with action. So it says, we trust infinite God rather than our finite selves, right? We're finite, we're gonna die. And we live on, of course, our soul, but it says we are in the world to play the, the role he assigns. Mm-hmm. If he assigns me to be helping other alcoholics, then that's what I'm gonna do. To be a worker among workers at my job, and that's what I'm gonna do. Just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him. Does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? This is the fear solution right here. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. It doesn't say they trust their sponsor. See, I, I like to throw that in there because <laughs> a lot of people that don't work any steps but just have that sponsor that they call every day and check in with every day but never open this damn book and work any steps. They take your time. No, we're not. We're, we're, we still have that untreated alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Because we're dependent upon another human being to carry us through this sobriety. And so that's what my 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 goal is to help somebody get connected spiritually. 
Amen. Take them through this in a timely manner so they can have, help, be able to turn around and help another alcoholic Amen. instead of being stuck in that rut of, oh, I'm not, not you, Fernando, but others that like I hear, like, I'm still on my fourth step. I have nine months. I have a year. I'm still on my fourth step. I've been on my fourth step for three months, for five months. But if I would have been done with my fourth step and, and trusted God, I'd be able to turn around because now I've done some amends. I'm doing my step 10 daily. I'm connecting daily. Step 11 is prayer, right? Prayer meditation. It's just a tool that we have now. And step 12 is turning around helping another alcoholic. But I can't do that because I'm still here. On, on step four, caught up in self and mm -hmm. fear mm -hmm. of, of getting getting through this. And I'm not saying you. I'm just saying in general, we yeah, hear it a lot. And so it says they trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us. So once I'm doing this, I'm going to let him demonstrate through me what he can do. Mm. That's the beauty of it. Beautiful. It's beautiful. If I let him demonstrate through me what he can do, and so if I have fears, right, or I, I don't know if, if this guy's going to let, let me help him with the steps, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if he does or doesn't. Mm -hmm. What matters mm -hmm. is if I get mm -hmm. out of the fear... And go ask, hey, how you doing on your step work? Or are, are you working the steps? Would you like to work the steps? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if he says yes, cool. If he says no, I have a sponsor. Hey, I'm just grateful to be in the position to be helpful. Rather than, I can't help nobody with the steps. I haven't even done the steps myself. Right? All right. So even if somebody says no, I thank God that I'm in the position to be of service in that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, when you yes. does come in and he hears the share about this guy doing the stage, well, then maybe it, it, it registers and maybe later on he'll be like, hey, can you help me out? That, that being in that position of usefulness. Now I'm, we're useful. It says, it says um, we ask him to remove our fear. So I have to ask God, Daily, remove my fear. You know, it's you, not me. Use me. Mm -hmm. Remove my fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence, we begin, we start to outgrow fear. So that's the fear's inventory. Beautiful. Then the next one is the sex inventory. We're not there yet. We're still on our examining inventory. And what about harms? What do you mean? Harms done others. Oh, we'll read about that later. That's right okay. there, too. But we're not even done with the resentment inventory, Fernando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like the way it's, 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 it's laid out. I have to do it properly. Throw all this front stuff away. My thoughts. Remember, hey, hey. Just leave. I would highly recommend, suggest, just leave it the way it is and just finish. Because you're going to read it out loud anyways. Okay. All right. Remember, it's not a homework assignment. I'm not going to grade you on how you rode. The stuff or... that seems to be coming out is harm mothers. Hi, Danielle. Good morning. Right, good morning. Where are you? Okay. Just. Yeah, like right here, I started going more simplified. Fears, fears, dishonest. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to expound. I got better at, at uh, okay. bringing it over.
Damn, it's hot, huh? It's going to get hot. I'm looking for a good day today. It's a beautiful day today. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Take care. See ya. She's in the program. We thought about maybe later on we'll think about getting a workshop going once a month. Okay. I do one on Wednesdays. It's for the whole year. We're gonna be on chapter three, I think. Over there at the 502? No, on Zoom. Oh. There's a lot of people on there. Like really? hundreds, yeah. Oh, on Wednesday. Wednesday evening? 7.30 to 9 p.m. It's called the uh, Fledgling, Fledgling Society Big Book Workshop. And they zero in on the fourth? They're doing everything, all the steps. Oh, good. Like, right now we're on chapter three, then I guess when they get to step four and five like i don't know how they're gonna do it, but it's the whole year we start they started with the the forward to the first edition and then doctor's opinion bill's story beautiful yeah. oh right here page page the bottom of page 42 i love this we read this yesterday mm -hmm. it says quite as important 42 not 42 yeah 42 on the bottom quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. Quite as important. Not just my drinking problem. Not just my uh, drug addiction problem. Wow. All my problems. So, and again, that's why I like the book and mm. I like to help the newcomer realize that I'm not going to help you solve all your problems. Some people want that sponsor yeah. that helps them solve. Pay my well, bill. They're another human being. Pay my phone bill. It says spiritual principles will solve all my problems. Spiritual principles. Mm -hmm. Being connected and having a God. As I have since been brought into a way of living infinitely more satisfying. And I hope I love this and this these two words more useful more useful than the life I lived before that's beautiful I want to be I, I, I want to be continue to be more useful in this life I was not useful before Just doing my own thing doing drugs mm -hmm. lost out there now I'm more useful my old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. I would not go back to it even if I could. So, more being more useful. Oh, man, it's getting too hot out here. Yeah, I'm super starting to get that too much vitamin D. Huh? Yeah. So, yeah, Fernando. Well, thank you. I appreciate their, uh, this time you so have So, just get... Yeah, if you want to fix it up, just... um. No more, um, again, just, yeah, I'm, but no put more it beating around the bush, no more BSing. The, put it on the front burner. No um, more, you know, no more excuses. If you want to fix it up, you have, for today's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Three so Monday we can meet on Zoom before you go to bed okay. and, and talk real quick. Uh, and my next day off, I'll come over again and, um. Like I said, man, this 
you believe in you believe in God and you have that relationship with Him, invite Him and, I, and ask Him to give you that time. Like, no, I want to spend time with you and do this. You sent Rudy my yeah, way. Yeah, I I I, I yeah. felt I felt your spirit tugging at my heart to ask Him for help. However, you, I don't know however you see it, but. You know, I, I I see things as divine intervention. Yeah, I gotta be honest. I did I did pray and I was asking God. I said, the gospel is in here. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, to help somebody, it's you know simple simple solutions drive them home. Mm -hmm. You know, God, it's God or God is everything or He's nothing. Yeah, and it's all there in chapter four too about that. Very good. I got I got a pay for you. <laughs> Here. I'll take it home and warm it up. <laughs> I think it's still Thanks, warm. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, I'll take it with that. Yeah. All, All right, right Fernando. All right, brother. Thank you very much. We, uh, we did it. God's okay. will. Yeah, so Monday. Monday. No more, no more. Oh, I had to make coffee. <laughs> I'll take your report. I'll take your report. Yeah, I got to go take coffee now. Hey, hasta la vista. That's <laughs> good.
in a program. No, we he didn't have, he just kept talking and then. Okay, that's fine. All right, I got this outside. Hasta la vista, baby. Okay, baby. Eleven thirty. Small clock. Love you too. Thank mm -hmm. you.